happy to have you with us for College Football Live. I'm Wendy Nix with Harry Lyles Jr. and Ryan McGee. Oklahoma State head coach Mike Gundy stops by. He'll talk about the fallout in the Big 12. That's coming up shortly. But we start with what could be the next step toward an expanded SEC. The presidents and chancellors meet today. They'll talk about expansion. Texas A&M's Board of Regents, by the way, says they now will vote for the addition of Oklahoma and Texas when the SEC votes. It's a 4 o'clock Eastern meeting scheduled today, expected to vote on adding the two new schools. And if it goes through, the SEC would be college football's first super conference with 16 teams. Our college football reporter Heather Dennett joins us now. And Heather, again, this is what has to happen next for there to be a formal invitation. What do you anticipate at that 4 o'clock Eastern meeting of SEC presidents and chancellors? Well, Wendy, now that the Aggies have come out and publicly said that they plan to vote in favor of it, I would expect a unanimous um, approval of an agreement to extend an invitation to Oklahoma and Texas. Now, you never know what's going to happen when presidents get in a room together. That's my disclosure, right? But my expectation is all 14 agree to get this done. And then tomorrow morning, Oklahoma and Texas are holding their own separate meetings. And I would expect them to formally say, yes, we do accept that invitation and then the deal is done and the question becomes when will this become a reality obviously we got the news a little late this has been happening for some time but it, it, it seems quick in a lot of ways and take a look at the statement that was released by texas a&m and that is the school uh, that we initially believed would have some opposition to this for some quite obvious reasons. Although the board had concerns about the communication process relating to this matter today, the board received the information it needed to properly consider the long-term ramifications of possible expansion. The board concluded that this expansion would enhance the long-term value of the SEC to student athletes and all of the institutions they represent including Texas A&M. Heather, a little bit of an about face, although they stopped short of saying they were totally against it. How did Texas A&M arrive at the decision to support the invitation? Well, Wendy, I spoke with Texas A&M Athletic Director Ross Bjork on Saturday, and I feel like that's when the change in tone started to happen. And he was very bullish on we are ready, the 12th man is ready, whatever the future might bring, our conference, our school, our coaches and players are ready for it. And he said any concern that they had had was about the collaborative nature in the SEC. So yes, I think it's fair to call it an about face because knowing that going into this meeting, their president has been directed by the board to vote in favor of it, is certainly a different tone than the one we heard coming out of Ross Bjork at SEC Media Days when he said, basically, we want to be the only team from the state of Texas in the SEC. That's changed. Uh, indeed, it has changed. Heather, thank you. And who knows what changes we will see as we continue to watch this come to fruition. We'll go back to our panel now, Harry and Ryan. And Harry, let's start with you. You know, I have my own, my own ideas here, but why do you think Texas A&M landed where they did with regards to uh, Texas and Oklahoma? You know, I think there's two very simple reasons here. I think one is money. I think that's what drives everything in college athletics nowadays. That is its greatest tradition now, perhaps going on the past four or five decades. 
And the second, I think, is that Texas A&M probably has some good friends and tell them, hey, you guys look kind of ridiculous being this upset out loud and in public, and you need to accept this and move on because it's going to happen. So you can either just deal with it, move on, and, and take your money, or you can embarrass yourself publicly, and it's still going to happen. So it was just a matter of, hey, like, what do you want this to look like? And clearly, they've come around on this, and, you know, they're going to accept it. Yeah, and Wendy and Harry, this goes way back. I mean, you, know, you think about some of the crazy media days we have with, you know, Philip Former not showing up and, and talking on the speakerphone and Steve Spur yelling. It, it got to a point where there was a <laughs> meeting years ago, and, and Mike Slive, the commissioner of the SEC, said, stop fighting publicly. So what that tells me is, is that it doesn't surprise me that Texas A&M is on board and it's going to be a unanimous vote, but that doesn't mean they're happy. So behind closed doors is probably one conversation, but the press release is a whole other. Is it wrong that I sort of miss those days, that cattiness? <laughs> I, I know it's probably wrong, but I'm not going to lie. I sort of miss it. It was fun to watch, uh, but it makes a lot of sense why you'd want to keep that behind closed doors. Uh, speaking of which, now on ESPN.com, if you haven't already seen it, Brian has a great article out talking about the unintended consequences of the Sooners and the Horns joining the SEC. And last week, and mind you, this was just hours before the news broke that these two schools were considering to leave the Big 12. Nick Saban sat with Marty and McGee to talk about the impact that changes in college football, including name image likeness and an expanded playoff, will have on his team and more importantly, the sport as a whole. Here's what he said. Well, and Marty, what's interesting is when you address these things, honestly, all this stuff benefits in Alabama, but your concern seems to be about the entirety of college football. No right? question. Yeah. I, I don't think any of this stuff's going to hurt Alabama. Yeah. It's all going to help Alabama, but I still don't know if it's the best thing for college football because the best thing for college football is what's best for the players, and we don't spend enough time thinking about that. We spend a lot more time thinking about what's best for a lot of other people. Uh, whether it's financial ramifications of having more games or more playoffs or whatever it is. And, but I do think that those things create consequences that may not benefit the players. And look, I'm trying not to speculate here, because right, when you don't have precedent for what's going to happen, um, what you say now is probably not going to be the right thing a year from now uh, when you have more experience on how it impacts things. Well, if you were a conspiracy theorist, which I'm not, you might think Nick Saban had an idea about this, Ryan. But either way, I think it's a fair question to ask, what are some of the unintended consequences we might see if we end up with college football's first super conference? Well, you know, first of all, I... Everything I say about Saban, I have to go, all right. I mean, th that's what he was doing. But you, unless there's a question, he had an idea what was coming. And then what was interesting was, was <laughs> yeah. that Kirby Smart had sat in that same chair, and he talked about, you know, yes, this is great for Georgia, but we also have a duty to schedule these games with Mercer and, and schedule these games with, with, with smaller schools because it pays for the bills. I was at Southern Conference Media Day on Monday. And I'm, uh, you know, we're talking about Furman, we're talking about Mercer, we're talking about East Tennessee State, and these games with these SEC schools pay the bills. So, you know, Nick Saban talked about Toledo and Kent State, and when when Jimbo Fisher was in that seat after the story had broken about Texas and OU, he talked about his days at Samford. So, Harry, I, I think 
there's a real concern about, you know, are you taking care of the entire game of college football? But listen, this is good for business for the SEC and for Nick Saban. And, hey, I co-host a show on the SEC Network. It's good for me, but I don't know that it's good for college football as a whole. Yeah, I think the group of five schools are definitely going to be affected by this, and that's one of the biggest unintended consequences of this. And I think the other is that, you know, this is kind of furthering the conversation that we've had with players' rights and compensation. I mean, I feel like NIL right now is kind of a bandage on that conversation, but I feel like people are getting a little bit more progressive with the idea of like, hey, we're forming these super conferences and the money is not getting smaller and their cut is not getting bigger. And I think that, you know, Nick Saban usually sometimes will get close enough to be like, yeah, well, it's not in the best interest of the players, things of that nature. We're getting close to this point where it's like, guys, we cannot ignore this anymore. I don't know what the revenue split has to look like, but the players have to get a cut of this. I was actually texting with a couple of players from the Pac-12 this past week and asking them, hey, what do you guys think of this? And they're like, our cut's not any bigger. So, you know, it, it just kind of is taking away from a lot of those traditions and there's no more money in their pockets. They can't win. Ryan, let me ask you this, and, and I've talked to various people this week, but, you know, whether you're talking about playoff expansion, which, oh, by the way, was dominating headlines 10 days ago, yeah. or name image likeness, or this complete shifting of conferences, which I tell you, we'll probably see if this happens, and it looks like it will. How different will college football look 24 months from now, in your opinion? Well, I think we're headed to some form of that term super conferences. And I went back and dug out, uh, this is how old I am, I went back and dug out an ESPN the Magazine story I wrote 10 years ago. And I talked to Roy Kramer. And Roy Kramer, former commissioner of the SEC, is the man who invented the current model. He's the one who expanded the SEC to 12 teams and did two divisions and added a conference championship game. And Roy Kramer said to me in 2011, he said, the ideal number is 16. It's not 14, it's not 12, it's certainly not 10 or 8. 16 is the right size. It's not too big if it has the right number, right type of schools, and it's not too small. And so he said then, if you think this is over, you're crazy, uh, this is all going to go to 16 teams. Or something. So the question is, is it 16 teams in four conferences or five conferences? And is this an NFL light breakaway like we saw the NCAA breakaway from the NAIA 100 years ago? It's, uh, I, there's no way to know, to quote Nick Saban, I, I'm not going to speculate, but it's certainly going to be a lot different. Yeah, Ryan, you know, the other thing I think about that, too, is that this would not seem so seismic if it wasn't Texas and Oklahoma, right? It's not like Baylor and Texas Tech are going over to the, the SEC, because if they were, you know, we'd be like, oh, well, this is interesting, but it wouldn't seem like such an intimidating thing, right? Like, this is like Kevin Durant going to the Warriors. This, everybody, you just look at this, and it's like, oh, my gosh, like, this is something just absolutely different, and I think that's why we've got everybody on their toes now. Well, we certainly do, and, and I do think that this is going to continue. I mean, we, we've talked about it all week, and, and that's not likely to change as we watch this evolve, and change will be the operative word there. Guys, thank you. Speaking of, speaking of operative words, you could certainly argue there was bedlam in the Big 12 this week, understandably so. Oklahoma State's Mike Gundy gives his thoughts on the state of college football when we come back.
In a cease and desist letter to ESPN, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby says he suspects the network's involvement in requests by Texas and Oklahoma to join the FCC. Bowlesby also says ESPN is manipulating other conferences to poach members of the Big 12. To that effect, ESPN said in a statement that Bowlesby's claims have no merit. ESPN does own the SEC network and starting in the year 2024, also owns SEC football broadcasting rights. ESPN also has a deal with the Big 12 that runs through 2025. Here is how the Big 12 would look if Texas and Oklahoma make their way out. With those two teams gone, the conference is left with just eight teams. Iowa State on top of the standings last year, they were eight and one in Big 12 play. Oklahoma State, Baylor, Kansas, and TCU highlight a few of the other programs. Earlier today, Marty Smith caught up with Oklahoma State head coach, Mike Gundy. You say you guys are in great shape, mm -hmm. but pointedly, what do you think this means for Oklahoma State football? Well, I wish I knew. Uh, like I've visited with the staff as far as, I think anybody that says they really know the future is maybe stepping out of line. That could be even the, the highest up at this point. Um, the goal from what I hear is that this league stays intact through 24. Um, and at that point, we all know that there could be teams that are looking to go somewhere else. I'm not gonna get involved in that because I think business is business. Unfortunately, at times in our profession, there is a big side of business. Um, but I know that Oklahoma State has had tremendous success. And when you look at where we've been from the viewer standpoint over a long period of time, people like watching Oklahoma State football. And there's continuity here. Um, not to pump up my own tires, but I've been 17 years here. The people in this program have been here a long time. Um, we're stable. Um, we're a good product, and I think we're very marketable. You said it can't predict the future, but what, what's your perspective on what this moment might mean for the Big 12's future? Again, I wish I knew. Um, you hear people talk about ultimately there's going to be a power four. In my opinion, if I was in meetings or behind closed doors, would I say that that's a probability? I'd say yes. Again, somebody else might make that decision. Um, could there be teams that jump in and say, we're going to continue as a power five? I think that's marketable. Um, I think the television, ESPN, they're going to have a big, big say in that. They're the ones that are representing television dollars, and they make those decisions. And I think at some point, the leaders will get together and say, hey, look, this is what we have if this is what you will offer us. If not, it, it might be something else. Ultimately, that's who's going to make the decisions, in my opinion. Pretty candid comments. And, and Harry, I'll start with you. Do you agree with Coach Gundy's assertion that Oklahoma State will be fine once the dust settles? I mean, probably, right? Kids are still going to have to go to Oklahoma State to play football. You know, they'll, they'll figure things out. They'll go where the money is, and they'll ultimately do what's best for their university. Um, I, I think that he said all the things that he probably should say because I also don't think that, you know, if he really felt like that this was going to be a problem, that he would say that out loud, and then you have trouble in recruiting ans answering for that. Um, but I, I, I do feel that he probably had the right tone there. Um, I, I do think that it's kind of hard to see where everything with this is going to go, but um, he definitely took a more measured approach than what their school president did, which was basically be like, yeah, Oklahoma is seceding from the state and going with Texas to the SEC. Uh, so, yeah.
<laughs> hey, first of all, let's appreciate the hair that was going on right there for a second. Between Marty so and Gundy so and, and, and a lot of orange. That's that orange background along with Marty's head of hair. That's that's a lot going on there. But no, but listen, I, he said all the right things. Hair is exactly right. But but listen, as a college football fan, with every move we lose something. And the great news is we get Texas Texas A&M back, which has been a black hole in college football for the last decade. We're going to lose Bedlam. I mean, I'm hoping that the hurt feelings aren't so much. And, you know, he, they're seceding from the state and all that stuff. I'm hoping uh, that the football heads prevail and we still have Bedlam, which, quite frankly, uh, in most cases over the last 20 years, has been a better football game than the Red River rivalry. Well, we, we definitely going to have Bedlam. I don't know if it's the organized kind, but you can rest assured that Bedlam, Bedlam's not going anywhere in case you haven't seen what's going on. No, but listen, Ryan, these schools rock in a hard place to some extent, although, again, uh, you know, the, things will be all right once we figure this out. What do you do if you're the remaining Big 12 teams? Because they do have some decisions to make. Well, I keep thinking about TCU. Since 1995... If you add the Southwest Conference in there, they've been in six conferences. And I'm including the Big East in there. They joined the Big East for about 90 minutes right before the Big East imploded on itself. So they have a plan because they have been here before. They've had the rug pulled out. They were independent for a minute. They've had the rug pulled out from underneath so many times. I guarantee there's a plan. And that's why I can't believe the Big 12 hasn't had a plan for 10 years. The reason that the conference is in this situation 10 years ago, I mean, I talked about it in the first segment. We were all told, you know, there's another big tectonic plate shift coming. You know, you got to get the 16 teams. You certainly can't you know, go in reverse back to 10. In 2014, when TCU and Baylor, neither one of them were picked for the playoff because there wasn't a conference championship game, I still cannot believe that all of these schools, BYU, East Carolina, Memphis, USC, or UCF, USF, Tulsa, everyone who's called me on the phone, Houston, SMU, saying, yeah, we'll join. I can't believe there wasn't some sort of move there, and that's why the Big 12, which hasn't been 12 in a decade, was vulnerable for all this. Yeah, Ryan, you're right. I mean, you know, calling Houston now seems like a good idea because what other options do you have? I mean, <laughs> I, I think what this does now is if you are the rest of these schools, you kind of just have to be, you have to have a completely open mind. Like, if somebody brings something up to you, whether it's going to another conference that is, you know, bigger or even a step down, you have to consider what is going to be the best for your university because what other kind of options do you really have? And I, I think that, you know, it would be interesting to see if there's going to be a group effort here by the remaining teams. But I, I think that a lot of these institutions, you know, as they've come together later in the Big 12, might have instances where they decide to go, hey, to the ACC, if they maybe if they get invited to the Big 10 or Pac-12. But I think right now, everybody, you just you can't say no to anything. You have to explore all options because you have no others. Well, it, it's a game of musical chairs, bottom line. Somebody, somebody very well could get left out, so you better answer the phone when it rings. Uh, listen, it'll be ringing all day on Saturday across the NFL for the first time ever. All 32 teams will practice at their respective sites and will be, will have coverage from every single one, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern, 4 to 5 on ESPN, and then 3 to 5 Eastern on ABC. It's called NFL Live Back Together Saturday. It is also available on the ESPN app. Still to come, in case you missed it, tonight, draft night in the NBA. Never too soon to talk about the NFL draft, 2022 that is. 
We'll take a look at some rising stars in college football names you need to know next. The NBA draft taking place tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern on ESPN and ABC. Woj already reporting the Pistons intend to take Oklahoma State's Cade Cunningham first overall. And of course, it's never too early for us to start talking about the NFL draft. And our own Todd McShay put out his mock draft for 2022 earlier this year. He has defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau going first out of Oregon. And then who else? USC quarterback Keaton Slovis. North Carolina quarterback Sam Howell makes an appearance at number seven as well. All right, Harry, give me a player whose stock you are buying. I got Liberty quarterback Malik Willis. He had an incredible year last year. A lot of people didn't get to watch him because Liberty is not one of these Power 5 programs, but this guy right now, if he was playing at a Power 5 school, we would already be just heralding him as a Heisman favorite. And honestly, I was there this earlier this week up in Lynchburg and got to see the guy work out. He has honestly got just the most sturdy build I think that I've ever seen on a quarterback that's that nimble. And his work ethic is just incredible. He will tell you why and how he missed specific throws from last year. And he's ready to get after it this year. I think he's going to have a big year. You freeze, baby, up there on uh, the mountain. Yeah, that's, uh, that's right. But I, I'm going to go. I'm going to power five all the way. But the number three pick, uh, according to that board, uh, Derek Stingley Jr. And uh, we saw that Marty McGee, we were recording our preseason shows. We had a chance to sit down with him. And here's the most important thing you need to know. Other than the fact that he takes the ball away from you, he knocks you down, he's going to wear number seven this year. That's Leonard Fournette. That's the Honey Badger. That's Jamar Chase. That's the number that goes to the best player at LSU. And he's mad about last year. Patrick Peterson, number set, lucky number seven, fellas. We're back tomorrow at 4.30 Eastern. See you then. Don't forget, SEC meeting right now to talk about inviting Texas and Oklahoma.